Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacevic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Michael Mazur to the podcast. Welcome, Michael. Hey, how you doing there, James? Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thank you for taking the time today. Now, Michael, we were... We were supposed to record this at Reliable Plant, but due to the current situations, you know, we've been del- we've been postponed in that conference. But I still wanted to really talk to you about this topic today. I think it's a very interesting topic, and that is why maintenance is a marathon, not a sprint. But before we dive into that, what can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, right, thank you, James. Uh, yes. Um well, I've been actually working with my hands ever since I was a young kid. My dad is kind of like the old school where they had to fix things around the house. And that's really where I got the first basis was, you know, fixing my bicycle or uh, fixing a fence. Or we actually, when we were teenagers, rebuilt the whole front porch. But from that was just the starting of the seed there. And it kind of grew in. I joined the Navy. I was there for uh, 21 years and as uh, electronics maintenance technician. I excelled very well with that. I became a leader in there, certified trainer. There's a, a long list on that, but after getting out of the Navy, I worked with Kone Elevators as a customer service analyst. And from there, I actually uh, sprung board to uh, working at uh, Lincoln Technical Institute as a vocational instructor. So I got to, a chance to see brand new aspiring mechanics and such in that field. And then lastly, and this is where I'm at right now, is Schwann's Global Supply Chain uh, in Kentucky, where I'm a level three maintenance technician. I've been a trainer and also a supervisor at this plant there uh, for the last 10 years. So that's a, a little bit of what I bring to the table here. All right. Excellent. So it's fair to say you have some extensive experience in maintenance and reliability programs. And in your opinion, how easy is it to develop a maintenance program? Is it something we can just throw together and expect world-class performance within a week or two, or is it a little more difficult than that? Oh, you, you definitely know it is definitely more difficult. And uh, each plant and organization is going to have a variety of different variables that will dictate what type of maintenance uh, plan and how it operates, the functionality, uh, the coordination with the operations team, logistics teams, and such. So you really have to do your homework. You have to take a look at the picture, not only what you have today, but you have to start looking long range, five years, 10 years in the future of what you're going to be, because that's what's going to dictate how you develop and how you implement your maintenance plan. So by no means would this podcast be able to even remotely cover uh, the full extent and uh, depth of what your maintenance plan is. But uh, hopefully by the time we're done, we're going to actually give you some ideas and things to think about as you're developing your maintenance plan. All right. Excellent. So, you know, the question that I got for you based off the top, off our topic is why is maintenance a marathon and not a sprint? You want to elaborate a bit on that for us? 
Well, absolutely there. Uh, I'm also an avid runner. I've uh, been doing that for a long time there, and I've run quite a few marathons. And I kind of noticed that there's a direct analogy between the two. Maintenance is a marathon is because if you look at maintenance as just a quick run, hey, anybody can go in there quickly, throw a wrench on a piece of equipment, and it's running again. Uh, but in the, uh, the concept of actually having your plant run and having your operational efficiency levels up at a higher, in the meantime before uh, failures lower, is that you have got to be in it in the long haul. You have to do the long distance running and it may be a little painful along the way, both prior to the run and during the run. And that's the same thing with maintenance. If you're just looking to firefight and to just quickly fix it and it's up and running again, you're going to be running a whole lot of short sprints and you're going to be throwing it out and you're going to be sweating off. And guess what? In the end, you're not going to be able to have a long-term running plant efficiently. All right. Excellent. So, you know, maintenance is really that marathon where, you know, I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it. So I run, but not to the extent you do, you know, I'll run a couple 5k runs a week. That's about the extent of it. Um, but you know, when we run, there's some preparation. I'm guessing when you, there's a marathon, there's a lot of preparation work and stuff that goes into that. How do we prepare for this marathon? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And first of all, congratulations on doing a 5k. And that's actually the start of one of the, or the things toward a 5K. But think of a, uh, a marathon as into thirds. And what we're going to do is break it into thirds. And that's all the stuff that's going to be before the marathon and the first half of the marathon and the second half. And what I look at the uh, a marathon is, it's all those things that are going to prep you and get your mindset, knowing where you're going, how it's put together. And it's going to be a lot more of the logistics now, on the maintenance side, uh, what we're going to be talking about is all the things that management, supervision, and that part of the team is putting together so that the runner can actually know where they're going and such. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little more. The second part is going to be where you actually have strength. I mean, you're standing, you're walking, uh, you, you do some jogging, you already have some strengths toward running a marathon. You can probably start a marathon and actually start running with it. And the same thing in a plant. You're going to have pre-existing skills. You're going to have workers who have certain knowledge that they can bring to the table, bring to your plant and such. Now, the last third of this is actually going to be the mental gate. And what happens in a marathon is you start to question yourself. Am I on the right path? Am I in the uh, the right pace? Am I doing all the things? You know, do I want to quit? You know, and that definitely goes to every, especially beginning uh, marathoners, the first time marathoners, they're thinking about quitting. I've been there. I've, uh, I've experienced this a lot. Well, in the maintenance realm, it happens the same way. There's this long-term plan. We got this ideal. It's not really working like I used to do it last week. And then you want to quit doing what would really be in its benefit and you want to move back to what you were doing back to the 5k's or 10k's instead of doing a marathon but like i said into the thirds that last one there is going to be really tough uh to crack there because it's all the intangibles things that you can't put your finger on but it's actually inside our minds and that's also what a marathon it's in your mind and i'm going to talk to you a little bit about that and how 
you can counter some of those negative thoughts and either from outside or from yourself. All right, excellent. So let's let's dive into each one of these thirds a little bit. The first part, the management prep there. Um, what does that really entail? What's included in that portion, if you will, that third? Oh, absolutely. Well, let's start out again, like with the uh, the marathon. The first thing in the marathon is you got a race director. They're going to put things in there. And so think about the uh, Chicago Marathon, the Boston Marathon, the Flying Pig, any one of these marathons. The first thing that happens months in advance is they actually have the route planned out. They had somebody going through this. They have markers along the lines. They have aid stations, cheer zones. Uh, they have updates either electronically or in the paper or even uh, where they send you updates uh, in the mail about what's happening. And they're going to prepare with things such as food and medical. And when are we going to say medical? We're thinking about safety of the runners. Well, that first part is the same thing as you would have in a maintenance plan. If you are looking for a five-year plan, you're going to have to let people know what is the direction that you're going. What is the route we're going to take? How are we going to get there? And as you have that, you put that out there, you need to have markers. And the longer the run, the more the markers you're going to have. And this is progress reports. And it could be either posted up on the doors, on the bulletin board. It could be sent on emails. But you want to make sure that the route is identified, you know the path, and that way when you hit these markers, hey, you hit mile five. What comes after mile five? Mile six. The same thing in a maintenance plan. Hey, once we start getting X, Y, and Z together, hey, the next thing we're going to do is one, two, and three. Whatever your plan is going to be, you have to have those markers. You got to let people know where they are and where they're going. Now, again, with the part of the management and supervision is you need to have, you know, aid stations there. And that's a variety of different things in a marathon that they have little parts that actually add to your energy levels. Uh, It could be Gatorade, water, or food gels. Well, the same thing in a maintenance. You want to make sure that you, as you move on this plan, you reinvigorate them with knowledge about how this plan is going and how it's implemented, the protocols, the process that you have on there. Those, the small little things, the one-minute learning plan, um, snapshots and such. Now, uh, continuing with this, you better make sure that you have updates. Now, I'm not talking about just a little information, but where are we? There's going to be setbacks. I have never seen a plan that has been implemented that didn't have something not follow through. And it could be that we didn't get all the logistics together. There's a problem with your uh, infrastructure, with your internet, that you don't have the connectivity. Update the people. Just like in a marathon, you would have an update, hey, there's weather that's going to be coming. Uh, This bridge is now out of order. We're going to actually move to the left and come down a different road. Same thing in a maintenance plan hey, guess what? This is not in place. It didn't really work. We're going to go to the right. We're going to go to the left. You have those updates. Now, along the way there, you want to make sure that you have some food. You know, so in the marathon there, they're going to make sure that there's some food out there, whether it be bananas, apples, and so on. A lot of times it's at the end. Sometimes it's in the middle of the route. What a great way of actually invigorating your people by having a cookout. Once you hit a major milestone uh, in your plan, 
hey, why not have a barbecue and or have it catered? We've actually done it in a plant a few times where we had actual outside caterers come in with their food. So instead of having the, the supervisors try to cook up on a grill, we had actual food professionals who came and did that. Guess what? <laughs> it's a way through our stomach is a way to bring us on board because we're really liking that food stuff. And it was another way for us to sit around the table, talk about what had happened, what's going to happen, and a chance to uh, communicate with other parts of the team there. So in the logistics, absolutely have some food. Same thing as on a marathon. Now, I say lastly on my list of things to talk about, but it really should not be lastly. On a marathon, one of the key things they're going to have is medical. They're going to have main medical at the uh, start and finish. They're going to have medical personnel along the way. Without a doubt, this is not the last thought that you should have in your maintenance plan, your long-range maintenance plan, but you should have this in your thought process as you move forward in changing what you have in place. What is the safety? And it could be just a reinvigoration of the protocols, how you go about maintenance emergencies in our plant. We call it maintenance emergency when somebody gets hurt or stuck in machinery. It's not such that the equipment is bad. It's just that it deals with personnel. We have a protocol for that. So you want to make sure that you have it in place. And recently, I'm very happy that we talked about it. We now have uh, six uh, AEDs throughout our plant because we used to only have one in one central location, but we're a large plant and it didn't make sense. So we went to, uh, to the managers and all this. We discussed this with the safety director there. And now we have them not only in our main plant, but also all the annexes, the smaller buildings that we have. Each one has readily available. AED. And so that's what you have to be thinking about on the safety for this. And that is the first part of a race. Just like a race director is going to be laying that out. You as the director in your plant or either maintenance director or manager, whichever term that you use, you have got to set the logistics in place. There's more logistics, but you have to have all these in your mind on paper. I've said it in your mind, but I should say on paper. So that way it's repeatable so that other people know about this prior to even having to start them going off. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com All right, excellent. So there is a lot of prep work that we have to do before we embark down this marathon. Um, You know, have that master plan. What are the checkpoints? How are we going to report progress? What are we going to celebrate? All these different things. How are we going to do all this within safety as well? Now, once we get that, we're moving into that first phase of the marathon. And I think you referred to that as the skill sets. Um, What is that all about? Is that making sure we know how to put one foot in front of the other? We know how to pace ourselves, those types of things, or is there more to it? Well, there is a little bit more to it. It is what you actually, anyone who's at a start line at the beginning of a marathon has that anticipation. It's a positive anticipation. It's like, this sounds great. This is good. And And I have something to bring to that. And I'm ready to go. There's this internal psyche. We're going to talk on the third part there, but but all of that stuff is right there. And the same thing in the maintenance plan. It really sounds good. I'm in it to win it, perhaps. I know that's kind of a cheesy phraser, but, <laughs> but, 
you're still there at the start line and you're surrounded by all these other same minded person who want to go in the same direction that you want to go. And so that's the first part, what you're coming on there. And justice and maintenance, this is what you're bringing to the table. And it could be just a full-blown uh, maintenance person, whether it be electrical, refrigeration, mechanical, but it can also be the operator maintainers and the operators because they also have a role in this marathon because they're running a marathon also. Let me make sure I say that clearly, that you are not the only runner on this marathon. You have other runners on there and some who have run marathons before. So they're, they're going to be there as part of your support. You also have first-time marathoners which, yes, they have nervous anticipation because they haven't done this before. They want to do it, but they've never done this. Now, what they bring to this is just as runner has the ability to uh, run, walk, jog, or if you're in a wheelchair, they got wheelchair races and they got others which are have amputees. You know, it doesn't matter. They're there for the marathon, whatever their skill set they come. So you have that in maintenance. People come with their pre-existing skills. And whichever the background uh, subset is, that's fine. And it's you had that you learned at a previous company that you were with, you went to school, you have those items with you. But to continue with that, uh, you have actually other items such, and I'm gonna just go through the list, and I'm gonna see about touching on some of those, such as coaching, training, your knowledge, practice, you know, the tools, and recognition and even outside help on there. So the first one, like I said, is your skills and what it is that you brought on there. But the next one I think is very important and just as much, and that's coaching. Both if you're receiving the coaching or if you're at a higher level, you're a level two or a level three tech in your field, that you're gonna actually coach those other runners, those other maintenance personnel, and you're going to give them tips and ideas in how to pace themselves as a runner would. So that way you can actually go through the whole marathon and still have strength at the end rather than just boom, jack sprit right out the front. And the next thing you know, you're wheezing only a third way into there. Well, a good coach and maintenance will show you how to plan a job, how to work through it, how to finish a job both safely and mechanically. Now, going along with that is the training that you have in there. And that's really was part of some of the first management and supervision should have some training on there. But you also need to have your own training. If you rely only on your company to train you, then you're going to fall short. I have kudos to your company. I'm certain they have a good training plan in all this. But you are the only one who really knows what you want. And one of the things on there, and we have this one guy, Tim. He's an electrician. And he also does automation. And they worked out a really good deal. And what it is is that he bought the training programs from Alan Bradley. It's online training courses. He got the CDs and that. And the company is allowing him during his slack time to go through all of the courses so he can get his certification from an outside source. Now, he paid for this himself. I'm not saying it works all that way for everybody. Not everybody has, you know, the cash flow or something to do this. But he did his own training in that regard there. And so the same thing can happen with you. You have to train yourself. You have to go out and run around the block on the gym, on the treadmill and so on. Knowledge without a doubt is something that you probably came in with 
and something you should continue to grow. As a runner, I actually read magazine articles about running better. Even simple things such as how to tie your shoes differently if you have problems with your arches or your toe sticks out or your heel strike. Well, guess what? A small article in a runner's magazine made a huge difference in how I tie my shoes. And we have other ones from the Reliable Plant, uh, from the podcast. I was listening to one just before here, and it gave me some other ideas. It's a small little thing, but guess what? Adding more knowledge to my uh, background actually makes me a smarter tech, and now I can do something better, faster, and perhaps longer. Now, moving forward with that knowledge, obviously needs to be practiced. I mentioned earlier about running around the block and running on the treadmill. If you do not practice your craft and you have a machine that uh, runs for quite a long time without having to have any added input to it, you may be out of practice. And as I mentioned, we had this one guy who was doing his automation and uh, with Alan Bradley. He is practicing his skill set, so he's going to be able to run longer because he's been able to maintain a certain level of acumen toward that skill. Same thing with the runner. You need to go do the five-mile runs and the 10-mile runs, and you need to practice it. And very much so, if you practice running a route that you're going to run for an actual physical time that's going to be logged, and you do that route several times, the time that you will do it and you're going to be actually measured you're going to actually know all those markers. You're going to see those kind of um, visual inputs that are going to tell you exactly where you are, where you're going to go, and you're going to run better. You're going to know, and you're going to not have those mental fatigues with this. And with maintenance, same thing. If you practice how to replace um, certain types of bearings, uh, a, a larger bearing which has to do a drive up on a double uh, bevel, you know, if you don't do this once every three years, if you don't uh, re reintroduce yourself to that knowledge prior to the need, then you may suffer when you actually have to go and do that run. Now, moving forward on this, actually, with your run and the things that are going to keep you going, and this is the strength that you have with you, is going to be the tools. And this can actually be in this section here, it can also be in the first part of management there, but it's kind of hard because sometimes you don't know all the tools you need. But once they are identified that you need a certain uh, hydraulic drive-up tool for uh, large bearings, you know, 300 millimeters, something like this, then it needs to be uh, looked at. Is it worth the cost? Do we rent it? Or do we actually uh, not need it? That There may be a different item. So you have to look at your tools, both the mechanics whichever set that they have, they need to have a baseline tools for them to do their job. And in that, the supervisors really should check on that because I've watched some people try to put together uh, machinery with zip ties, duct tape, <laughs> wire. And I, I swear to God, I, I still to this day come across and I'm, I'm crawling underneath the machine. It's like, who put this in here? Oh my gosh. Whereas a simple tool would have actually done the job. And the other thing is a little bit with your tools is the cleanliness of your tools. And I'm not talking about just, you know, not having grease on it, but actually having them in order, whether it be a, a socket holder where all the sockets are in a row 
or wrench holders. So this way you can get at him quickly because when you are tasked to do a job, you can actually spend 25% of your time easily looking for the right tool or going back to a toolbox or waiting for somebody to get you a, a small two-jaw gear puller. Whereas something, you do this on a regular basis, you should have your own rather than going to the parts cage, getting in line, and so on. In runners, we have a variety of tools. We have shoes, or we could wear shorts, uh, or we can have a sweatshirt. Because as a runner, if you run the uh, marathons early in the year in Chicago, it's a little cold out there. Sure, just wear shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah, that's going to work out really well, isn't it? <laughs> or you go over to Arizona and you're running the race in August, and you're wearing sweatshirts, sweatpants, and a hooded, a hood on there. You know, you're running. Congratulations on it. However, you're probably not running as well as you can because you got the wrong tools for the job. So the same thing with your toolbox that you have that you work with, and also with what the company provides. Sometimes there's some tools that are very expensive and very specific. We're not going to keep O scopes in our tool cards, but if something that we should have if there's a definite need in your plant. <clears throat> now, uh, last one with this is recognition on this. And I actually put this in this part there because in a marathon, you know, people are out there and, you know, there's cheers and so on, but there's um, people following along and recognizing where you're at in your time crunch. And that's usually going to be family members and friends who, know what your race is and how fast you're going. And they're going like, you're on track, you're on track, you're doing a great job. But we should have the same thing when we're running our marathon in a plant for these long five-year plans that, hey, way to go. You know, you caught a couple of things you actually added to our tools uh, in the parts cage. And it should be both from your uh, superiors and your peers. And a lot of times, yes, uh, those who are, working with us at a different level and you ended up helping them out, they're going to recognize you with thanks. I appreciate your help and so on. So these are things that actually are strengths that'll get you through the first half of your actual running of a marathon. And the same thing in your plant, when you first start out with a new five-year plan, easily you have these type of people that are already in your employment or you're looking to hire them to fill in perhaps a gap that you have because you're looking at a five-year plan. You're going to need a level three automation tech. And right now, all you have is uh, mostly level ones and a couple of level twos. Well, we're going to have to make sure we strengthen up that part because not only are we individual runners, but there are also team runners where they run as a whole team. And that's what we're talking about in a plan. But Yes, there's a lot of information um, that you can drill down into there, but at a higher level, I think our uh, listeners can uh, identify with what I've uh, laid out here. Yes, absolutely. Having the right tools is critical. I made the mistake of having to go get a new pair of running shoes, grabbed a new pair, ran with them, and right away I had shin splints. <laughs> uh, you are not the first and you will not be the last. So what did um, I have to do? I went and bought a different pair of shoes and all of a sudden, guess what? No shin splints. So I just absolutely. had to write the wrong tools for that job. Absolutely. And you know, and the same thing has happened in the plant too. Yep. I've watched people struggle and they're trying to get uh, 
this bearing off or this uh, mechanical part off. And uh, I've been fortunate that I happen to know most of the technicians there and what they have in their tool cart. I know all the technicians, but I also know what tools they have. And it's like, hey, Steve, can you uh, bring me your three jaw? And we go over there with an impact wrench and action, you know, er, and the bearings off the guy, where were you half an hour ago? <laughs> He had shin splints, but uh, it was more of a mental shin splint there. <laughs> Absolutely. And that actually, you know, that's the second or the third quadrant, if you will, the second half of the, the marathon is that mental game. So you want to talk to us about what that means when we're running our maintenance marathon? How do we stay ahead of that? How do we avoid that negative self-talk, those, those types of things that we're going to encounter as we go through there? Well, uh, that's interesting. I'm not going to say that you're going to avoid it. What I would probably go along with that you're going to counter it, one, with knowledge that you've been there before, you know it occurs, and even if you haven't been there before, if you have the belief, and that's like one of the first things right there, is the belief that you will be able to make this happen. The plant will run. You will make widgets, whatever that they are. Uh, you'll have the production there. Just as if you're running a marathon, um, you have the belief that you will get to that 26.2 mile marker and you'll cross the finish line. Usually because that's where you park the car anyway and you have to get back to it. But you have to have the belief, even if it's that you walk the last half of the marathon, you're going to be there along the line. In maintenance, you have to believe that there's gonna be people out there to help you along the way. There's going to be uh, support through logistical side and even if you're not totally familiar with the task at hand that you have to do, that you are going to be able to look up the information. You're going to put the effort involved in it. You're going to bring people along to assist you or actually to coach you through it and that you will get the job done. I have no doubt whatsoever that belief is one of the first things in finishing a marathon and or finishing a long-range maintenance plan, and I shouldn't say finish, continuing a long-range maintenance plan uh, in your plant or whatever that organization is. But that is one of the first things. And it is not just for the runner or the maintenance guy. It had better first be with the management system on there. There has got to be the belief, very strong, that this is a good plan that this is going to work and we are going to see it through its inception and into its implementation there. If you have management that do not believe in it wholeheartedly, don't put it out there because we, the people on the floor, we can tell. We hear it in your voice. We see it in the emails. We can actually tell that you don't believe in it. And so why should you bring us in there? We won't believe in it either. So I'm not saying they're the only ones. The workers have to be in there too, but management has better be involved in that without a doubt there. Now, the other thing with that um, on that belief is that <clears throat> if you're running a marathon and you decide that, you know what, I'm going to change the route and you leave the, the planned route and you go your own direction there, what do you get at the end? You don't get a medal. You don't get time on there or anything. I have actually seen that in a maintenance plant before where yeah, there's a little more with management 
uh, but a little driven by the workers. The workers didn't believe in it, and we call it the flavor of the month. You know, a knee-jerk reaction yep. or something along that line there. And what happens is, if it is a knee-jerk, truly a knee-jerk reaction, don't try to implement a plan off of that. Because they'll understand it, they'll know it, and all the workers will have to do is to wait it out, and it'll go away. You know, if you have a plan A, then you should have a plan A. There should not be a plan B. You know, we follow it through. There will be setbacks, there will be changes, and there'll be variables that you did not see but you stay with the main plan and you see it through. Um, I'm going to try to do this real quick here. We had multiple times, easily a dozen times, that they had all these different plans for figuring out how much our throughput units per minute were and so on. And we did this method and that method. And all the workers kept doing is just waiting it out and it disappeared. It faded out of existence. And that same thing happened with this uh, term called red zone. I'm not selling red zone or anything. But we put this in the plant, it uses a bunch of automatic sensors, goes through a processing and counts our units. And it has, it's placed in several key points. Uh, the output of one is the input of the other and so on. And at first, oh, it's not gonna work, we're not gonna do it, you know. But management stayed with it and corporate stayed with it. And we did this, well, guess what? It's now been in place for the last seven years. We believe in it, it's strong, and it gives us a metric to work with. Why? Because corporation management believed in it, they stayed with it, they kept, uh, I won't say hammering with it, but they kept saying, this is going to work, this is going to work. And in our mind now, finally, we believe that it worked. And once we got past that belief, now guess what? We don't even think about it anymore. It's there, it exists, it works. It is yep. no longer a leader. Yep, absolutely. Uh, now, some of the other intangibles that you have on there uh, is trust, respect, uh, inner drive, and so on. <clears throat> now, with those three things inside there, trust and respect definitely are key. And heard it before, it's so easy to lose the trust. Um, and you have to trust yourself and that you're going to do your best job. That doesn't mean that you're not going to fail, um, but you're going to trust yourself. And in that, People are actually going to see that you believe in yourself, you trust in yourself, and then when you say you're going to do something along the line, hey, I'm going to run alongside you for the first half of the marathon. After that, I'm going to run my own pace. I wish you all the best and all this. And you're there. Even though you wanted to run faster, you stayed with that person. They did a better run because of you. And the next time around, guess what? They trust you. Same thing in maintenance. If you're going to be there to help them and not, you know, dare I say, throw a wrench at them or, you know, <laughs> all those things that happen on the politics, you know, in, in a plant or so on. Don't play into that there and people will believe you and they'll trust you. And when you get trust, what happens is you get more help. The more people trust you, the more help you get. The more help you get, the faster you run or the better you do your job. And it's one of those cyclic sort of things on there. And in that, it drives respect. I may not agree with you. Now, there are several guys that we had an argument about the proper way of measuring how a bearing draw-up was because we he watched a video, I watched the same video. We had a long talk, but never did we have a disrespectful tone toward each other. We kept explaining our positions there. Oh, by the way, I was right. <laughs> but Jim and I have this great respect for each other. We will disagree, 
but we have that respect. And guess what? We're both better runners. We're both better maintenance men because of that respect. You know, and right along with that is peer recognition there. You know, they recognize what I bring to the table. I recognize what they bring to the table. When I'm a little concerned or I want, I don't want validation. I tell them ahead of time, I say, look, I want you to find something wrong with what I'm thinking. It, because I respect their input. If I'm looking to see what's wrong, that way I won't make an error if they're looking for that. But at the same time, he's better, I'm better, she's better, and that works out really great. Now, one of the other things on here, and this one here is probably something that you're going to have to uh, come to the table with. This is not something that is easily developed. It can be, but it's something called inner drive, and you have to have that. Uh, I mentioned earlier about one of the guys had his inner drive for being a better automation, better in his electrical skills and all this, and he drove himself toward getting more programs and so on. We talked about practice and such, but that inner drive, yeah, you think of Forrest Gump when he went out running in that movie there, I just felt like running. Because <laughs> there was something that drove him in there. I mentioned earlier in my little bio there that my dad had us fixing our own bicycles. He worked for Schwinn for 18 years. And so we were very well attuned with bicycles. But him and his friend Zeke brought the tools and they let me, they made me fix my own bicycle rather than you know, fixing it for me, which is really easy to do. And in that was the first part of the training of inner drive of, hey, this is a mechanical thing. I can make the chain go this way and that way. I can fix it. I can align it. And through all the other steps along my life, it started to create this drive that I want to make it better. I want to run faster. I want to run longer. I want to be more efficient. And all that's the same thing true in the field of maintenance. I want my PMs to be more concise. I want my PMs to get rid of the crap that sometimes, we had one PM, it was four pages. It actually took half an hour, but it was four pages. And so I had a, a drive up, hey, I want to make this a better PM for the guy after me. Now, and so although hard to put a marker about how to create an inner drive, it's really going to be something that's fostered through those around you, a little bit from in yourself there, and definitely with the recognition, both from your uh, management, supervision, peer recognition, and by gum, by golly, you should also recognize when you do a good job. You don't have to toot your horn to everybody else and say, look what I did, but you have to recognize yourself and say, that was a tough job never did it before, I felt good about it. And then the second time you do it, recognize that you did it better, faster, safer. And in that, you will actually start to develop your inner drive in there. Absolutely. Now, you know, we've talked through these three phases here. So we got, you know, that management prep work, we got the skill set, we got the mental game we're working through. You know, there is a lot that goes into this. And, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult, but what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today? Because we covered a wide range of different things from the planning to the skill sets to the mental game. What's the one thing you want them to take away? The, uh, the biggest thing I want you to take away from this is that it's a process. You're going to have fears. And the, the big takeaway from this is that if you follow the like, rough sort of process of 
setting up the stage, the foundation uh, prior to your run, prior to a new maintenance plan, and uh, taking a uh, mental list of all of the tools that you already have. When I say tools, I'm not talking about a physical wrench or anything. I'm talking about knowledge, your training, coaching, your practice, <clears throat> taking an assessment of yourself, taking an assessment of the team, taking assessment of the plant, whichever level that you're looking at for this marathon and making sure that you know what you have. And then when there's gaps in there, you, you want to fill those up there because the biggest thing that stops uh, maintenance plan and even the individual task of a maintenance plan is the fear of failure. We are afraid of failing. We're afraid of not meeting our time that we wanted, not even being able to finish. You mentioned shin splints. I've seen some people who have, were on the side of the road, they had to be carted off. And if you start out with this fear of failure, you might not even start the race. And so if you take into account all these items on here, the, the logistics, the skill sets, the mental game, the fear of failure becomes smaller. And if you can put that at bay, there's going to be failure. First of all, for all the listeners, you're going to fail. It's okay. The thing is that you're just going to get back up. And if, instead of running, you're jogging. Instead of jogging, you're walking. I've actually seen videos of um, runners who crawled across the finish line and the marathon. They waved off the people who were going to pick them up. They said, no, I'm going to finish this. They weren't afraid of failure. They, they did fail, but they kept on going. The same thing in your maintenance plan. There's going to be missteps, perhaps. There's going to be a trial and error period, perhaps. But as long as you're not so afraid of failure, you're going to get to the start line and you're going to start. So take into account all those believe in yourself and i believe very strongly that your maintenance marathon will actually continue to grow and be easier and just think about it like i mentioned earlier there are people who have run a marathon the second time they have a better time they always have a better time both with numerical better time and then the mental better time because they've done it they've gone through the first one it hurt a little bit but they're better and more prepared for it. The same thing in your maintenance plan. You're going to run through it. You're going to get better at it and know that, believe in that, that every time you keep following that route, following those markers, you're going to get better. You're going to be stronger. You're going to finish stronger and you're going to bring a lot of people along with you on this journey. All right. Excellent. I think that is a great way to wrap up the conversation today, but before we go, Michael, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about this, why maintenance is a marathon, not a sprint. I can definitely see the parallels between. It's a great, great topic. It's going to make me think a little bit more, both about running and the maintenance activities that I'm involved with. But before we go, where can people find out more about you? Where can they find out more about this topic? Where can they get resources? That type of thing. Well, James, uh, I hope that you're able to uh, attach. I put the, uh, I sent you the PowerPoint. Uh, this is a PowerPoint presentation I had for the Reliable Plant that's been put on hold. I expect to be there in uh, the late uh, later part of season, sometime in the autumn season, fall. And I'll be at the next Reliable Plant. I'll be presenting this. But also I'll be on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Michael Mazur, and it's uh, Michael is spelled M-I-C-H-A-E-L. 
last name Mazur, M-A-Z-U-R. Use either one of those to look up there, and uh, you'll find me on both of those uh, sites there. And you can send me a link, and I will give you the uh, full files uh, along with that. There's some nice graphics and pictures to go along and more detailed information with these uh, topics we've covered today. All right. Excellent. I will put links in the show notes to those so they can reach out to you and find you easily. I thank you for being, for willing to, or your willingness to share those documents with everyone. I think that's great. Um, I want to thank you again for taking the time today. Thank you, Michael. Well, thank you, James. You have yourself a great day. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.